Okay, I did something kind of crazy this last weekend. I decided that it was time for me to create something I've never done before. (laughs) And with that, there's definitely been some highs and some lows of me trying to figure out exactly what this looked like. But recently, I just launched my very first podcast membership program. And it has the best name ever. I'm just not even going to lie. It's called The Potty People. That's right, my friends. If you're a 80s or 90s baby, then you remember the song, Whoop, there it is, right? And it started Potty People. But in my mind, I'm hearing The Potty People. You get it? Oh my gosh, I should not sing on this podcast. That is creepy, it's scary, and you probably just cringed a little bit. But I wanted to let you know that there is a brand new membership experience to help you take your podcast to the next level. So if you're interested and you want to learn more, go to thepottypeople.com. That's T-H-E-P-O-D-D-Y-P-E-O-P-L-E. And I'll see you in there because we're going to have a lot of fun. Y'all, I am so excited about today's episode. And I just have to say that interviews have been so much fun for me lately. And if you have listened to the podcast for a while, you know that there was a big stretch of time where I didn't do a ton of interviews. And I think that it was because I was really looking for people that could add tremendous value to this podcast. And today's guest definitely does that. So I'm excited to dive into all the fun things that we have to talk about creating a book and podcasting and how those two things intersect and intertwine and just just all the things. So let's get right to it. Welcome to the Profit Podcast, where we teach entrepreneurs how to start, launch, and market their podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Profit, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Because if you've been thinking about creating a podcast for a while, well, I'm so glad you found this show. Think of this as the shortcut slash time-saving version of searching Google and YouTube for hours and hours trying to figure out the world of podcasting. Trust me, as a busy mama of three, I get it. You don't have a lot of time to be spent or wasted, I should say, searching the web, trying to find all the right ideas and all the amazing things that are out there, and you just end up overwhelmed. Trust me, I've been there, done that, took home the souvenir. But this podcast is going to help you in practical ways because twice a week we'll be delivering episodes that are going to give you steps to help you create a podcast your audience can't wait to listen to. So let's get right to it, shall we? So like I said in the beginning, this episode today is a very fun interview with my new friend, Thomas Umstadt. So Thomas is the founder of Author Media and the host of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thomas travels the world speaking at events and helping authors build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. So it's really funny because um, Thomas and I met at the Spark Christian Podcast Conference back in February, and he was a speaker. He spoke about editing, which totally blew my mind. Like He shared things that I was like, what? I didn't even know some of the things that he was talking about. Like It was so, I guess, elementary in the basics that I didn't even know. And then there was some really high-level stuff that I'd never even considered. So I am forever grateful for him being able to teach me some things. That way I can share them here with you guys. But um, Thomas and I, in this interview today, we go really deep into my upcoming podcast book. 
and he actually did like a mini coaching session with me, and it was so fantastic. I learned so much. So if you've ever thought about writing a book and how to market it and how to really like get the ball rolling with your audience, with the people that are already surrounded by you and interested in what you have to talk about on your podcast, he shares some fantastic strategies that you can use to do it. So let's not wait any longer. Here is my interview with Thomas Umstadt Jr. All right, Profit Podcast listeners, I'm so excited to bring to you today Thomas Umstadt Jr. of the Novel Marketing Podcast, and he is just the guru of so many things. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Thomas. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is so much fun. So Thomas and I, we crossed paths at the Spark Christian Podcast Conference recently, and we chatted about so many things, but I know so much about Thomas, and this is probably the first time that y'all are hearing about him. So Thomas, can you kind of give everybody a little bit of background on what it is that you do with your novel marketing, but also your podcast background? Yeah, so I started my first podcast back in 2007, and Novel Marketing we started back in 2013, and it's a podcast to help authors become published authors and ultimately to sell more books. So when we first started it, we were targeted mostly for traditionally published novelists, and now it's for both indie authors, which I think is the majority of our listeners now, and also the nonfiction folks snuck in and we started doing episodes for them as well. Uh, So now it's about innovative ways of selling more books. This is so much fun. So I I love this because, and Thomas knows this, that's why I was like, uh, we need to talk about this on the podcast because as y'all know, I am in the process of publishing my book. This is going to be my second book that I've self-published, but I want to real fast before we really dive into all the nitty gritty that comes with publishing and launching and doing all the things. How many podcast episodes have you done? Do you, do you know the number? Uh, I used to, uh, not counting my radio show, I think it's over 400 episodes across my various podcasts. That Uh, is so crazy. That's awesome. And I can't believe that you've been like, you're the OG of podcasting and I love it. Like you've been around doing this for so long. So let's talk about that real fast. Like what have you seen change so much in the landscape probably over the last like five years? What would you say? So I gave my first podcasting talk at a writer's conference in, I think, 2010 or 2011. And I had it on my list of topics for all of the years since then. And for the next seven or eight years, I couldn't get a single conference to pick that as a topic. They would invite me to speak, and they would pick my other topics. And so the biggest thing that's changed just in the last year or two is that podcasting finally has uh, enough notoriety where podcast or writing conference directors are seeing the need to talk about it. And I will say, I always had full rooms, right? The people coming (laughs) to the conferences were always interested uh, to learn about podcasting, but just recently have the conference directors uh, kind of gotten aware of it and embraced it. And I even gave a talk at a uh, industry event with the CEOs of top publishing uh, companies. You know, it was for the vice presidents and presidents of publishing companies, not for authors or editors. And I talked about podcasting and they were like, oh, we got to get into podcasting. So the industry is finally embracing podcasting. Uh, and it, you know, it only took 15 years for them to get there. <laughs> well, I love that you were there to do, like, you've been ready. It just wasn't your time. You're like, it's coming, it's coming. And now you're like, Yeah, like now I can just, you kind of have your two passions collide. So how did you get into doing the novel marketing podcast? Like, why is that something that you started pursuing? Because you started in radio, right? Um, I actually did radio on and off kind of throughout this whole process. But I started in podcasting first, I I believe. I don't remember the first time I did a guest radio interview, but I'm pretty sure it was after I started doing my first podcast. But Yeah, it was interesting because I used to run a web design agency for authors, and it's still around. um, And, you know, we still support author websites, but we don't take on new clients anymore. And so the original idea was that the Novel Marketing Podcast would be kind of a companion to that agency. And if you go back and listen to our old episodes, we're, you know, promoting author websites from author media. And I've, you know, phased out of that because what I enjoy most is teaching. And so now, 
almost everything that I do is either teaching or coaching. And so I'd, I'd much rather help an author make their own website than make the website for the author, even though there's a lot more money in making the website for the author. <laughs> for me personally, I just enjoy teaching far more. That's awesome. That's awesome. And from someone who's built my own website too, like, yes, 100%. I think it's better to be like, this is how you do it. Bless you. Go do it yourself. And please don't call me like when something breaks, like, you know, like, cause I've had that happen to me before where I'm just like, Oh, I'm on, like, I'm with technical support for like three hours trying to figure it out. And it was something that I did most of the time. So I couldn't imagine bugging someone else if it broke. I remember getting a call. It was a day after Christmas and somebody had done something to their website and it was broken. And I'm at a family event and I'm outside on my cell phone troubleshooting some t- website issue. And I'm like, oh. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And now that I have a family, I'm really glad I made that pivot uh, because when you're teaching people how to do things themselves, they know how to fish for themselves and they're not calling you with crises at two in the morning because yes. uh, people take it really seriously when their website goes down. And they, you know, that's like, they feel like their lifeblood is draining away and it's a really yes. high intensity emotional time. And you're so you're, or they're about to do something really scary. They're launching a book or launching the website and this is them online, which is another high intensity emotional time. So it ended up being a lot of counseling <laughs> and a lot of yeah. like couples counseling. So you have two people, <laughs> a husband and a wife, and they're getting a website together and they can't agree. And at the time I was single and I'm like, I have, I have no idea how to help you do on this decision. You need to decide and then talk to me later. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So how did you get into the marketing world then? If you were doing podcasting and then you're doing radio here and there, like how did book publishing and, you know, working with indie authors and working with authors period, how did that come about? So I built my first website when I was 13 years old and I taught my first web design class to a bunch of homeschoolers when I was 16 years old. So I got started really early with websites and then I got a business degree, studied marketing. And while I was in business school, I was working on a book and I'm like, I'm going to take this book to a writer's conference. I'm at the writer's conference and there's the obligatory marketing talk and the lady's like, you got to get a website, you got to get a blog. And all these authors are staring around like terrified. How do I do that? And so I went to an author you know, who was a real author. I was really dazzled. Like a published author who lived in my area. And I'm like, gosh, I'll build you a website for free. It's, you know, I, I've been doing this since I was a kid. So she got the deal of a century. She got a free website. And then yeah. she told all of her friends, I'm like, it's not going to be free for them. <laughs> so I put together a brochure <laughs> of some simple prices. And then to, when I went to my next writer's conference, I you know threw together a website in about two hours. And I brought the brochure with me. And there was only tepid interest in my book. But I had authors writing me checks for websites wow. who I'd never met before. <laughs> they were, like, I, was, I left that conference with checks in hand for websites. And I was like, huh, maybe uh, you know I've tapped into something here. And so the company in its peak was, uh, I think we had 10 people in the office helping build websites between uh, paid staff and interns. And we were building lots and lots of author websites. And wow. this was in the heyday of kind of mid-list traditional published authors where they would get um, $5,000 advance or $10,000 advance from their publisher. And the first thing they would do with that money is build a website. And then when the indie revolution happened in the early 20 teens, um, authors stopped getting those advances. They weren't getting a big check from their publisher. And right. instead they were spending money on the editor and the cover and the whole economics of spending money for a website really shifted. And so we shifted along with that. We created a, a WordPress plugin for adding a bookstore to your website and it became the number one bookstore plugin for WordPress. And it still is, as far as I know, the number one uh, WordPress um, plugin for websites. But I, uh, you know, fast forward many years, I was hosting a bunch of podcasts and I was running this business and I was on the board for some nonprofits and doing some consulting. And I added up all of my titles at one point and I realized I had 18 titles and oh I had a mental gosh. breakdown. <laughs> there was a day where I literally could not get out of bed. I was just so overwhelmed with all of the things going on in my life. And so I had this big pruning event <laughs> where I cut savagely almost everything in my life, including the plugins, my baby, right? Because the plugin had been my idea. I had shepherded it. I didn't do the coding for it or didn't do much of the coding for it, but I shepherded it from you know conception to where it was. And I had to give the plugins away. And I backed away from a lot of my um, business responsibilities and really focused and which was really good because the baby started coming and my life has really changed. <laughs> so now we have two little ones under two, and I'm so thankful I went through that uh, season of pruning, as painful as it was. 
Oh my gosh. So I, I think in technology, so you're sitting here talking about websites. You're not talking about websites of like, oh, it's Squarespace and you do this. Like what year was this when you got your first client? So the websites were WordPress websites I was building for authors. This was back in 2007 was when oh, I started wow. the uh, yeah. website business. And, you know, WordPress in those days was not what WordPress is now. <laughs> so no. Anyone who complains about WordPress now, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> you kids these days have no appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> There's a plug-in store where if with one click, you can add a plug-in to your website. I know. When I was a kid, we had to FTP it both ways. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In oh the snow. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. So for anybody listening, if you've never built a website, like I 100% understand everything that Thomas is talking about because I've done my own website from day one. I used to be on like a Weebly, like it was just not functional. It did not work for me. And then I switched to WordPress and I've, I've done it, but I've only been doing it for, I, I guess 2017 was my first website. So I don't know any of the things that you're talking about, but I've heard all the stories and like my, my grandpa, he's a computer programmer. Like he's from back in the day when the server was like huge, like the size of my house, you know, and it's like, it's freezing cold in there. Cause otherwise, you know, all the things like the punch cards, like that's how far back my grandpa goes. So I understand like the evolution of everything. So with that being said, like how has the evolution of like, book publishing change? Because you mentioned like indie authors and self-publishing, like whenever you say you're working with authors today, are you working with people who are pursuing traditional publishing or self-publishing? First off, I love being compared to your grandpa. That just makes me feel no, amazing. No, you're not compared <laughs> to my grandpa. <laughs> but but to, answer, to answer your question, uh, we, you know, I work with both in terms of uh, coaching, consulting. We have some mastermind groups attached to our podcast. So for our highest level patrons, there's a special mastermind group meetings that we have and a special mastermind Slack channel. And I have both traditionally published hybrid and independent authors and you know pre-published authors in those in, in those various groups and and I've worked with you know through the website business and through my personal coaching you know New York Times best-selling um, traditionally published authors and also with very successful indie authors and also authors who are struggling at all of those different levels and so I'm not a, a partisan I've, I know and I have clients who are traditionally published and are making six figures and are very happy with their traditional publisher. And I also have clients who are desperately trying to get away from their traditional publisher and feel trapped and sad. And I also have <laughs> indie authors who are making six figures and are really happy as indie authors and indie authors who are, you know, losing money every month, you know, their expenses are exceeding their income. And, and so both paths are paths to success and both paths require hard work. So if you're thinking, oh, indie publishing is easier, it's not an easier path. It's just a different path. It's like saying, you know, learning the guitar and being a concert level guitarist is different from being a concert level violin player. Concert level is about the same amount of work. The difference is with a guitar, you can get halfway decent a lot faster. So right. the early times of playing the violin are really hard. And it's kind of that way with indie publishing. You can get something out faster with indie publishing. But if you really want to be successful, if you really want to provide for your family with your writing, it's just as much total amount of work. You're just working on different things in different ways. Oh, man. Like, yeah, that's such a great explanation. Because um, for me, my first book, whenever I put it out, it was just having the dream of my name on a book cover, like, and it, it meant something to me. Like, that was purely all that that was. And it was just, I repurposed a lot of blog posts. I'm sure there's a thousand things that are wrong with the book right now. But at the, like, I knew that that was a stepping stone for me. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, like the indie publishing route, like that's the way that I want to go. Because I think I know my entrepreneurs, I know that they're scrappy. I know that they're DIY. I know that the dream of having a traditionally published book, like it's out there, but they may be doubting themselves and saying, I don't have a big enough audience. I don't have this. So I have a two, two part question is what advice do you have to someone who's pursuing traditional publishing? And what advice do you have to someone who's pursuing indie? Like, would it be totally different, like night and day advice? 
the initial advice is actually the same. That is identify what your goals are. Yeah. Because what you get from traditional publishing is very different from what you get from indie publishing. So for a lot of entrepreneurs, if the purpose of their book is to kind of help establish their business and almost act like a business card where or kind of an initial consultation where it's like, I'm tired of consulting with people on these, you know, 10 basic topics. So I have write a book and it's got a chapter on each of those basic topics. And then I get to work on the interesting bits. If that's your goal, tra uh, traditional publishing is probably not the way to go. Because with traditional publishing, you're required to make a book that's really has a broad appeal. It's got to sell at least 5,000 copies, really ideally 10,000 copies to be appealing to a traditional publisher. Whereas indie publishing can be a really great for that super business card type book. And you know, if you're a consultant and you only sell 500 copies of your book, but 50 of those copies turn into you know, consulting clients and you're able to double the amount of money that you make in a year because your consulting rates have gone up and you're booked solid. That's great, right? You're yeah. really happy about that. You've now, you're now feeding your family for uh, 500 copies, whereas 500 copies of a traditional book would be considered an absolute failure. It would be a real like mud on your face kind of uh, situation. On the other hand, if you're you know trying to change the world, you want a, a book to like change the thinking of a, a topic, and you want to reach a lot of people. Traditional publishing will get you into bookstores, uh, which, especially for nonfiction, is really important because people prefer to read nonfiction in paper. Uh, so for uh, fiction. Ebooks are great, right? Because the Kindle's a great fiction reading device, and there's some really great margins that you can get with fiction, and especially with genre fiction. There's indies who are just making a killing writing fiction and even pushing out the traditionally published books. So in romance right now, the romance publishers, it's just a bloodbath. <laughs> They're really struggling to compete. Uh, it's, the publishers are kind of like the Death Star, and all the indie authors are like the X-Wings buzzing around the Death Star. <laughs> and while individually they're not very big, like the Death Star is really hurting, <laughs> and it's struggling to compete. Um, so, But if you want your paper book to be in those bookstores for that kind of narrative, uh, being traditionally published is really preferable in that way. Okay, well, then I have a follow-up question to that because I went to a writing conference, let me see, two years ago, and it was for children's authors. And so I kind of, that's where I learned more about um, the publishing industry. But for someone who has no idea, they're like, this is a dream of mine, but like, can you give like a short description of what it actually means to be like traditionally published, like what they're actually looking for as far as do you need a platform first? Do you need your book for first? Like, how, how does that all work? So traditional publishers are looking for platform, they're looking for good writing, and they're looking for a unique idea. idea. And theoretically, you only need two of those things. So if your idea is really unique and your writing is amazing, then you probably don't need as good of a platform. Now, Chances are your idea is not nearly as unique as you think it is because chances are you haven't read very many books on your topic. At least that's my experience. A lot of writers when they're first getting started, they've read maybe half a dozen books on their topic and they haven't gotten to the point where they've read dozens of books on their topic. Right. And, and once you've read dozens of books on your topic, then you can know, oh, my book is really unique. Uh, but if you've only read two or three books on your topic, how do you know if, if your idea is a unique idea? And there, it's really hard to come up with a unique idea. That's actually the hardest of the three. Good writing is a very learnable skill. You can study writing, you can go to critique groups, you can hire coaching, you can hire editors, you can get your writing up. It's just a matter of putting in the time and the money. And it does take time and money. You need a, th a second set of eyes at least. You need beta readers. There's lots that go into learning how to write well. Platforms kind of the same way. It's also a matter of time and money. You have to put in time to learn how to build a platform. I mean, that's what our podcast is all about, right? Building a platform, right. selling more books, and changing the world with writing worth talking about. Uh, those are the three things that we help authors with. And there's a lot to learn uh, when it comes to building a platform. There's also money that needs to be spent and things that need to be done uh, to build that platform. If you have all three, that's what really makes you appealing to a publisher. And and that was what will likely lead to a bestseller. If you If you really have a unique idea and you're a good writer, and you've got a really strong platform. Uh, for fiction, it's harder to build a platform before your book comes out, but it still can be done, and it's typically done with short stories. And the common mistake that novelists make is they jump straight into writing their novel instead of writing short stories first. This is so common, and it really is a mistake because they'll write a whole novel and they'll be making, let's say, five mistakes, right? They're showing, they're telling instead of showing, they're using passive voice, and two or three other things. And then they have to go in and fix it 
throughout 200 pages once they get that edit. And it's just discouraging. It's a lot of work. And um, what ends up happening is their book gets fewer revisions than it really needs to really shine. And so what we recommend in our podcast and in our five-year plan, which is a a course that kind of walks authors through their first uh, five years of becoming a best-selling novelist, is to write short stories as drills for the craft books that you're reading. So you read a craft book on dialogue, and then you write a short story focused on getting your dialogue better. And then you're getting better as a writer. And those short stories you can give away for free in exchange for email addresses of potential readers. And then suddenly, once you're writing your book, you've already got all these short story readers who are fans of your writing, and you're able to launch with a platform. But if you That's haven't written the short stories ahead of time, you're, you really you have got to start writing the short stories. Um, it, skipping the short story step is really a big mistake. Well, it's so smart because I'm sitting here. I'm such a big fan of Elizabeth Gilbert and all of her writing. And I've heard her talk about, you know, she would be uh, bartending, you know, writing all these short stories and this and that. But I never thought about, you know, I I thought that that was just part of her process. But now that you say that, I'm like, that just it makes total sense. That's probably where she got a lot of her bad years of writing out of the way. And then, you know, like she didn't just write Eat, Pray, Love. And then all of a sudden it was this, you know mega blockbuster, you know, book and movie and all the things. So that's really interesting. That's exactly what we talk about in the five-year plan. We say it's your five-year plan to becoming an overnight success. Yes. (laughs) The people you think are an overnight success, you often don't look at their, you know, earlier career. Like Ed Sheeran, right, kind of became this huge superstar. But a lot of people don't realize he started doing music in 2004. He was in obscurity doing music that nobody was listening to because it wasn't very good. And it wasn't until much later he'd put in the time and the practice where he could become the epic sensation he is today. Yes, that's so good. That's so it's so interesting. But um, I want to switch gears for a second because we talked about going over my podcast book. And this was so nice of Thomas. He was like, I really want this to be almost like you know, a mini coaching call because this is your specialty. And this is honestly where I, I need a little bit of help because I have a plan. Like I am just, I'm a planner by nature. That's not part of my Enneagram three, but I mean, it is, it is a little bit, I'm a, I'm a high achiever, but I'm like, I gotta have a plan. Most of the time it doesn't work, but at least I'm starting with something. So um, if someone is listening and they're like, oh, yeah, like I want to have a plan. I want to do this. Like, where do you suggest that they start? Well, we have a bunch of podcast episodes that are free on exactly how to do this. And we have a course uh, coming out in May that's going to be a real-time course. So everyone's doing day one together. Everyone's doing day two together. But if you want, we can put together your plan right now. We can put together the the outlines of it. If if you're willing to share some numbers with your listeners. Yes. So the the first step is to determine your assets. And by specifically, I mean your marketing assets. So the first asset that we know you have is this podcast, right? You have listeners of this podcast. So we'll put that down as a pod as an asset. What other assets do you have that you can use to get the word out about your book? So would this be probably my email list mm-hmm. and social media and YouTube? Yeah. So let's put some numbers there. Things. How many how many people do you have on your email list currently? Right around a thousand. Okay. So you have a thousand people on your email list. And how many social media followers do you have currently? Of all the platforms, I guess, do you add them all together or do you no, just the, do the, like let's say, one? Uh, what's, your, what's your biggest platform? Um, I would say Instagram right now is about 1,200. Okay, so we'll just use that number, 1,200. Because okay. we can assume that most of the people following on Instagram are the same people following on the others. There, there's okay. obviously some overlap, but also not everyone's going to see your stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, all right. And then how many YouTube subscribers do you have? Oh, that's that's not right. I'm working on that one. Okay, We're so, about so, 200. Okay, so YouTube's <laughs> just, just getting started. Yes. Um, and then uh, what is your typical, um, after 30 days, uh, downloads for a podcast episode? Uh, I think I looked at this the other day, and I want to say it's around 250, 300. Okay. So I'm going to put 300 here. So this is good. You've got 300 um, per episode downloads which means you have more than that in total listeners because not Mm -hmm. everyone's going to listen to every episode. You've got your email list of a thousand. This is your crown. This is the key. This is the like engine of a book launch is your email list, your social media. 
uh, this is worth about one or two readers. <laughs> so yeah. social media doesn't drive numbers. And I used to be the marketing director for a publishing company. I skipped that part when I fast forwarded. <laughs> and we did tons of experiments and we could not demonstrate that social media sold books at all. <laughs> um, wow. It just didn't drive uh, the kind of engagement uh, because it's such a ephemeral um, place. And it's really hard to take people from short, kind of vapid conversations to, hey, please read my 100-page book or my 300-page book. Like That is a real big shift. Uh, you can use social media as an advertising platform, mm -hmm. uh, but especially the Facebook-owned platforms like Facebook and Instagram, uh, just for free, there's not much you can do nowadays. Even Twitter is really hard without spending money. And, and right. so those are more like advertising on Google now than they are like uh, how they used to be in 2010. <laughs> you used to be able to get right. so much free engagement, but it's no longer 2010. Um, <laughs> all right, so now let's think a little bit outside of the box in terms of um, non-tangible assets. So these would be things like relationships with influencers, right? So if you have a friend who's got a really popular podcast and you know you could call her on your cell phone or send her a text or him a text and he'd be willing to have you on to talk about your book or um, like speaking events that you're doing, like what are other ways that you could get the word out about your book? I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I do have uh, several podcasts that I plan on pitching, but I don't have a shoe in and like a really big podcast that, I mean, who knows? I mean, like that's, that's the, the goal is to pitch. Um, I mean, cause I do have a few of my mentors, but at the same time, it's not a shoe in for sure. Yes. So, um, but you already have the relationship. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so we'll put uh, how many how many of those relationships would you say you have? We'll say potential uh, hosts. I would say um, I have at least ten podcasts that I've considered, and then ones that have really big platforms. I would say two to three. Okay. Uh, so that's a when you already have the relationship, it's an asset, even if they're not a for sure. Yes, I'll have you on, it, even if they already know who you are. If you send them an email, you know how to get past the gatekeeper. That's that's valuable, right? You can pitch podcasts you've never heard of, and they will potentially have you on. But you're much more likely to get onto a podcast where the relationship is already there. All right, so let's keep thinking outside of the box. And what other kinds of influencers do you know uh, or have relationships with uh, other kind like pastors, CEOs, anyone who could help get the word out to a lot of people? Oh, man, I feel like I've slowly been building my network of podcasting experts and people that um, have businesses that are related to podcasting or marketing or entrepreneurship that don't necessarily have a platform as far as social media goes, but they have a like a broad network. Um, so I would say anywhere from probably 10 to 15 of those people that have a pretty decent size audience. Okay. And uh, speaking opportunities, where could you potentially speak about this around the launch of your book? Mm, around I'm going to say Pod Houston, Pod Houston, uh -huh. right? You're, yeah. you're, uh, you've spoken there before yep. and you're, you're a member of Pod Houston. So local podcast group. So what other than Pod Houston, what other uh, podcast events have you spoken at that you could potentially speak at again or speak at leading up to it to get the word out? Right. That's why I'm like, I'm trying to think of the timeline because um, I, I have a few things in the works, but it's not like a for sure thing. Um, I would say probably by the end of 2020, from now until the end, I would say probably four to five opportunities that would be a pretty decent size. Okay. Very good. So now we have a good idea of your assets, kind of like if you were to launch right now, what to do. And this is why you want to start your book launch process way before the launch date, because you've got six months, give or take, to build some of these assets. And the primary assets I want you to build is your email list and your podcast listener base. <laughs> so okay. those are going to be the, the primary drivers. And the best way to grow your email list is to mix it up with the lead magnets. Uh, so you've got a lead magnet right now, you promote it at the beginning of every episode. And you have listeners who've downloaded it. And you have listeners who've listened to you pitch it a bunch of times and have not downloaded it. And they're not going to download it. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to give them something else to download something else that's interesting, some other reason to get on your email list other than the thing that you're offering 
right now. So let's uh, so let's just brainstorm a couple of things that you could give away in a PDF or maybe a, a audio download that would be interesting to your listeners. Well, I actually have a question about this because I've wondered if it would be valuable to give a chapter, like an audio chapter away of the book before it's published. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, people don't get very excited about free chapters because they can always get that for free from Amazon. If they're a Kindle reader, there's the free okay. chapter. And so that's typically not enough. Every, that's what every author wishes, that people would be so excited right. about their book that they'd be waiting, you know, ready <laughs> to knock down the doors for a free chapter. And the reality is, is that uh, free chapters just don't have that kind of oomph. Right. So you have to think outside of it. They're expecting that already. There's nothing special about a free chapter. Right. I like that. Okay. So if it were going to be related to the book, and I I would probably say something along the lines of the top 10 lessons I learned in the first year of my podcast, but very detailed, like not just, oh, 10 bullet points, you know, like something that's very detailed and lessons learned, maybe even a video of me talking instead of it just being a PDF, or it could be one and the same. It could be both. Yeah, making video could help. Um, there's no real reason to download a video or exchange an email for a video. The real thing is to make it more appealing. So here's how we're going to make it more appealing. We're going to focus on the transformation that they're going to get from those 10 tips. So instead of saying, here are 10 things that I learned, that's not very interesting. Instead, right. you want to talk about, here are 10 specific ways that you will be able to launch your podcast better or you know, have better sounding audio. You want to be really specific about what the benefit is. So instead of talking about the features, of it, like how many RPMs your lawnmower is, you want to talk about the beautiful lawn. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love and, the analogy. And beyond the beautiful lawn, you want to talk about the envious neighbors, right? The best lawn in the neighborhood. So these, this new guide, what is the benefit? What is the transformation that this new lead magnet would uh, help us have? I'm just thinking of avoiding mistakes that I made. <laughs> That's what I feel like so much of my platform is based on like, you know, th this is the route that will help you get results faster than what I did. There you go. And what yeah. kind of results? What are we talking about? I would say consistency, avoiding burnout, making sure that you create a plan that you can stick to and not just kind of be half halfway in, halfway out when it comes to your podcast. Okay. And let's go d even deeper into those results. So why are those things important? Because it's why I see so many podcasters being like doing what I do. I see so many of them burning out and quitting because they're overwhelmed, they're stressed out, and they just they can't keep up with the consistency that goes along with podcasting. Okay, so how about this for a title of your new lead magnet? How to um, burnout proof your podcast, or how to protect your oh. podcast from burnout? Hang on, I gotta write it down. Gotta <laughs> so write so it do you down. see how that is focused on the benefit? It's focused on the transformation. And now I know as a listener, oh, I want a burnout proof podcast. I don't wanna give up on my podcast after 10 episodes. I wanna know how to podcast for the long haul. And so you can talk about, you know, how to burnout proof your podcast is the title, and the subtitle is 10 mistakes podcasters make that make podcasting more painful, more difficult, and more stressful, and how to reduce those. Whatever. I'm coming up with this off the top of my head. So it's amazing. No, you this can, is great. You this can wordsmith great. that. All right. So now you're going to have your new lead magnet and you're going to promote that in addition to the one you already have. So this is another mistake people have is that they put all of their, um, uh, they buy, spend all of their money on one kind of bait. So when you go right. fishing, use different bait for different fish. And we're trying to catch uh, email subscribers. You want to use different uh, lead magnets or what we call in the publishing world, reader magnets, which is the exact same thing, <laughs> it's just something you're giving away to attract readers. So uh, do that to grow your email list. Try to be guests on other people's podcasts as a way of growing your podcast. And your social media will follow after that. So the social media is the cart. It is a way of engaging with the fans you already have. It is not the horse. It does not get you new fans uh, unless you're willing to do um, very distasteful things, <laughs> which I imagine is not in keeping with your brand. So that's step one. We've determined your assets. Uh, the next step of putting together a launch plan is to create a budget. And by budget, I don't just mean a dollar amount. I also mean an hour amount. How many hours are you willing to put in to this launch? And we'll break these out in terms of the, the month of the launch itself and then of the two or three months leading up to it. So what is your time budget and what is your money budget? 
Okay, so explain the time budget to me in more detail because I'm like, I got, I'm very conscious of how I spend every single hour of my day. So um, tell me a little bit more about what what exactly do you mean? Do you mean as far as the marketing goes or like spending time? Like what is the time? This is how much hours you have to put towards activities. So we're not deciding what those activities are yet. We're just determining how many hours we have to work with. Because what you, if you only have 10 hours total to launch this thing, you're going to do very different activities than if you're um, willing to put in 40 hours to launch this thing. You, you have more time budget to work with. So you may think of it in terms of total blocks, if that's how you think of time. Other people uh, think of time in terms of like a weekly rhythm. So like I have a time budget, I can work on this one hour a week or five hours a week, or some people think in terms of daily rhythm. So I'm not sure how you think of time, but it doesn't matter. You pick one, so you have daily, <laughs> monthly, uh, weekly, or total amount of hours. We'll work with whatever kind of time budget you have, but you need to have some number of hours that you're willing to commit to this. Because I'll tell you, if that number of hours is zero, you will fail. <laughs> it <laughs> does take time. So I would say leading up to the launch, at least five to seven hours a week, and then probably the month before and the month of at 10 plus hours, if not more, every single week. So we can't have 10 plus. I want a specific number here okay? Uh, that we can work with. So say 12 let's hours. Just, let's say 12 hours. All right. So we have 12 hours a week during the launch itself, uh, during the primary launch window. All right. And then what's your financial budget? How much money are you willing to spend to launch this book? Oh, I don't know, because I've been budgeting out. Um, I budgeted out my editor and then my book cover. And this is actually a really good question, because I have been trying to decide how I wanted to spend my marketing dollars. Because uh, previously, when I launched my other book, I did none. It was basically word of mouth. Um so what, what would be your suggestion for someone who has my kind of platform, my kind of audience right now, what would you suggest? So it really depends on how much money you have. The big mistake that people make when they're putting together a launch plan is that they go shopping before they put their budget together. <laughs> and uh, this is like going car shopping before you've decided how much you can afford, how much car you can afford. And right. when you do that, it's really easy to not have a full plan. Or you start spending money, a better way of saying we're going grocery shopping and you've got, you know, a regular grocery store budget and you go to Whole Foods and you've bought half of your menu and then now you're out of money and you don't have the rest of the menu uh, right. to buy and you're out of luck. Or it determines like what kind of meal you can prepare, right? You know how much you have to spend on dinner and then you find a meal that fits into that budget instead of like, well, I'm going to buy steak. So you right. buy a steak and you're like, well, that was our whole budget. So it's like, I hope you enjoy kids. You enjoy your little piece of steak. It's gonna be really tasty. There's no, there's no uh, vegetables. <laughs> there's nothing to drink. <laughs> just water and steak ends up not being a very good meal. And so, you know, your budget, you know, how much um, money you have to kind of spend on launching this. And it, again, it doesn't, I'm not here to say it's gotta be a thousand dollars. It's gotta be $2,000. It's gotta be something that you can afford risking. So right. if this launch doesn't work, or if, you, if the money doesn't come back, you need to not be like auctioning your children to, to right. cover this loss. Right. I would say I feel really comfortable spending $1,000 knowing that if it didn't work, it like lessons learned would be okay. Um, it, any more than that, I don't think I would feel comfortable until it was like a proven people are excited about this. That's right. And one of the advantages, so now we have $1,000, which is a good launch budget. There's We can work with that. And the indie way of doing things is that after the launch, you continue spending money on advertising from the money you're making from the book. So one right. of the advantages of indie is that you're making a lot of money per copy of your book. So when you're traditionally published, you're making about a dollar a copy, sometimes 85 cents a copy. When you're independently published, you're making closer to three to five dollars a copy, depending right. on where your book is priced. So let's say two to five dollars, sometimes as much as 10, if you've got a really premium priced 
book. And so when you're earning that kind of money from selling your book, there's a lot more money for what we call customer acquisition in the business world or reader acquisition in the publishing world. Because in publishing world, we have to reterm all of the things because referring <laughs> to our readers as customers is anathema to, to, to authors. So they're not lead magnets, they're reader magnets. Uh, it's not customer acquisition, it's reader acquisition, even though it's the exact same math. That's All right, so, so we have uh, five to seven hours a week. We have 12 hours uh, a week during the launch. So during that month, you've got 40 plus hours uh, to put into the launch. So now it's time to create the timeline. We have your assets, we have your budget, and now we're going to create your timeline. And this is something I'll just get you started on. But the idea is you're going to build out a three-month timeline of activities, of things that you're going to do uh, to prepare for the launch. So the idea is that you have everyone ready for a really big launch on day on day one. And the reason why launches are so important, we probably should have talked about this at the beginning, is your goal is to hit some kind of bestseller list. You know, maybe an Amazon bestseller list at the bottom level or USA Today or New York Times is um, unlikely since you're... Uh, independently published, they are have various biases and they, they yes. don't like indie <laughs> authors. But if you could become a category bestseller on Amazon, which is feasible, it's not like a lot of uh, new podcasting books are coming out, or even just a number one new release that will help bring in additional readers who previously didn't know who you are, but they saw that you're the number one new release and now they're interested. So the first thing you want to put in your timeline is your pitching to the podcasts. And that's the first thing you're going to want to do in your timeline. Well, maybe the first thing you want to do is make that new reader magnet about how to burn proof, burnout proof your podcast. Because uh, you'll want to maybe mention that uh, reader magnet on those podcast episodes as they bring you on if it, if it naturally fits in with a conversation. Um, so that's the first thing I do. And I would almost do, you know, have a six-month timeline and there's some things you're doing kind of in those first three months that are more asset development right. and then you're going to you're going to transition from asset development to straight up promotion or platform development we're going to use again authors we have our own vocabulary <laughs> so you're going to be developing your platform in those first three months or growing what you have and then in uh, as we get closer to launch day we're going to move away from platform building and move into promotion and then come launch day it's too late to grow your email list. You've got what you've got. <laughs> so. Oh, this is so good though because I feel like this is—it's so translation between podcast and books. Like it's the same thing. It's like people just throw together their podcast and then they hit publish and they're like, "Why is nobody listening?" And you're like, oh, "Well, you didn't tell anybody about it." So. <laughs> That's right. The one advantage of a podcast—you can soft launch it because you're getting better at podcasting as you go. So the longer it takes somebody to discover your podcast, the better your podcast is. Whereas yeah. the book is the book. <laughs> There's yeah, no like, oh, this is version 1.1 <laughs> of the book. I went in and redrafted it. Yeah. Most authors uh, don't do that. Although you could actually with this book, since it's independently published and you're most likely going to go through KDP print, which means print on demand, right. you could have versions of this book. And I have seen indie nonfiction books that do this where they update the book every month and all the people who buy the ebook get those updates and the print book just, you know, you look and see what version it is. And whenever you buy it, it's the most up to date version. And you update things like links to websites and resources that you mentioned. If you talk about some service and they go out of business, you take it out and replace it with their competitor. And it's kind of more of a, a reference in that way. You don't have to do that. And that's a big time commitment, but it is a strategy that independent authors uh, can take advantage of. Well, it's funny you said that real fast because I actually have a chapter in there about or a section about equipment and the ATR 2100 was one of the microphones I was recommending. And for those of you that don't know, it is off the market. It is there's a new newer version, a different version. It's now the ATR 2100 <laughs> X. X. Now for $30 yes. more. Yes. <laughs> it's a very similar microphone, but the real microphone to recommend is the Samsung Q2U, which is cheaper yes. and uh, just a little bit uh, better. But uh, we digress. So we have, um, so the initial thing you're going to be wanting to do is develop those assets during those first um, three months. And then after that, you're going to want to start pitching the podcast. And you want to pitch the podcast four, three to four months before your book comes out. And you may be like, why so early? Well, you as a podcaster know this. 
podcasters often record episodes way before they come out. So, and it takes time. Somebody emails you, you're not like, all right, let's interview you tomorrow, right? So right. You send them a Calendly link and they click a time that's two weeks from now. So then it's a two week lead for the Calendly link and then you record and then it maybe um, it takes two or three weeks to edit the episode and then you schedule it. You already have a bunch of episodes and then now it's four weeks after that. And so maybe it's two months from start to finish. And it's okay to have episodes come out before the launch because you can build up that anticipation, especially if there's a pre-order. People can pre-order it. There's some debate as to whether pre-ordering is a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, So the advantage of pre-orders is that it allows you to build up anticipation on podcast interviews and other media that you can't necessarily control when it lands. The downside is uh, pre-order sales dilute your launch day numbers because they count, at least on Amazon currently, on the day that they're made. Whereas on uh, platforms like iBooks, you get to count it twice. So you get to count it on the day, comes out, and then all of those numbers are added on your launch day. And so you, uh, pre-ordering, if you're going wide and you're on iBooks, is a, a better strategy. But even if your book's not available to purchase yet, you can promote your reader magnet and send people to your website and get them on your email list, which in some ways is even better than having them buy your book because now you can tell them about other books that come out in the future. That email list is your engine. It's awesome. This, I, I love hearing this. I love hearing all this. All right. Uh, another thing I would start doing is start uh, building out a plan to organically work in promotion of the book into your assets. So you want to find ways of naturally talking about it on your podcast, kind of like we're doing right now, right? This yes. is a really organic way <laughs> talking about your podcasting book. And you want to do other, other things like that. You don't want every episode to be a promotion for your book because that gets really irritating. And people want to feel like they're getting value from you. Um, but you, you also want to start that way ahead of time because people don't listen to podcasts the day they come out. You know, sometimes podcasts will let, sit on somebody's phone for a month and then they'll go on vacation and they'll binge and catch up. Uh, one of the folks in my mastermind group uh, is constantly, uh, he speaks all over the country and he has these big two, three, four hour drives and he'll be binging novel marketing <laughs> while he's on his four hour drive and re-listening to old episodes. And so you want to kind of plan ahead of time to lead up to it. Uh, Another thing that you might consider is creating some sort of prize or reward or bundle for people who buy the book in that first two-week window. Uh, Listeners of Novel Marketing will know why this is so magical. It creates urgency for people to act now. It creates uh, scarcity because the bundle goes away. Uh, And also potentially triggers some social proof, especially if you limit it. But that urgency is the real thing because people can always put off buying your book later and you want them to buy it in that first week or the first two weeks so you can hit those bestseller lists. And what I would do is with putting that bundle together, I would go to your list of influencers. You've got 10 to 15 podcast uh, influencers. You've got these organizations and you know potentially others and you can put together a bundle. So you come to somebody like me and say, Thomas, do you have anything you'd be willing to give for free to people who buy the book uh, the first week that it comes out? And you go to the other folks and you try to find some kind of prize, maybe it's a course or something else, it really has to be valuable. These can't just right. be the same reader magnets that you could get free on their website. So you got to be something special. And maybe you put together a special bundle. Maybe it's um, a special webinar, a Q&A webinar with you, but only for people who send you their receipt and it's you know a week after the podcast comes out. Some kind of special thing to create that urgency. Uh, and then also just asking people, hey, you've been getting my podcast for free all these years. Uh, would you help me hit the Amazon bestseller list and become a number one new release by buying the book the day it comes out? And that's a really great, you know, the people, your core fans will be like, yes, absolutely. We'd be happy uh, to do that and to help you out. And the people who are just here and kind of sort of they won't care, but your core fans will be happy to help you in that way. This is so good. This is so good. And so now you will be, as we're getting closer to launch, you'll be hearing back from some of those podcasts. You'll be getting booked. Maybe you'll be, um, you'll put in, and you'll create an editorial calendar. So you'll put your bookings of your podcasts. You'll put the emails that are going to come out. So you're going to plan out the emails leading up to launch day. So you want to have an email that says, books coming out in two weeks, books coming out in one week, books coming out tomorrow, books coming out today. You get to break your cycle uh, and maybe a one month warning too. You get to send out two emails in one day, and this is like the one time when you can 
break your rule of yes. frequency and people won't <laughs> mind, especially if you've got a really good launch bundle and you're asking them to help you hit a bestseller list because they know that increased frequency is not going to happen normally, right? This is a special event um, if, um, and they give you a pass. In fact, people are on your list, especially since you're already an author, and this is really true for existing authors, often the primary reason they're on the list is to get that email, <laughs> the right. get the book now email. So they don't mind if they get that a few extra times. And then you can hopefully, the day after it comes out, say, we hit number one bestseller list, or we hit number one new release on Amazon. Thank you so much. And for those of you who haven't gotten it yet, here's a link. So you get to send out yeah. a bonus that you're trying to earn. So all of this is culminating in that one email. And uh, and then you want your interviews coming out after launch as well. So ideally, if you have good relationships with podcasters, those interviews are all landing in the launch week and and they're willing to you know oh yeah i can you know give you that date down in the future it's no problem and it's just an ask and again if you have that personal relationship with the podcaster ahead of time it helps but sometimes podcasters even if they're stranger will be willing to help you out in that way and part of what you're going to want to be promoting are those podcasts right and this is part of the deal Right. right you come on somebody's podcast as a guest you're promoting that podcast really hard and since it's your book that they're talking about. It's a great opportunity to, to remind your email list, hey, here are some podcasts. We talked about how to do this on this podcast. We talked about how to do this other thing and this other podcast. And you know, the po- each podcast is beneficial in its own way. And you can link an email to those to your subscribers and your um, the people you know listening to your podcast will be happy. The people getting your emails will be happy. And uh, you know, some of the people listening right now, maybe you know, who are podcasters who listen to your podcast, maybe like, I'd love to have you on my podcast. <laughs> so, yes. email Crystal Prophet, send her a tweet. Yes, uh, reach out 100%. to her. <laughs> and 100%. I will say, uh, that's another thing as you're looking for influencers. You may be surprised inside of your email list and inside of your social following are influencers that follow you that you don't know about. And another thing you want to do is create a form on your website to request a free copy of the book. And people fill out that form, and they will then and, – and, and part of the form is them telling you why they're influential because this isn't just a free copy for everyone. But someone's right. like, hey, you know, I'm putting on a conference in Toledo <laughs> on <Yeah>. podcasting, <laughs> and it's going to have 50 podcasters there. And you'll be like, why, yes, I'd love to give you a free book. <laughs> uh, right. Whereas somebody else is like, I have uh, Facebook, and I have 250 friends. You're like, nah, you're yeah. not going to get a free book. So, <laughs> but it's up to you who you send these free books right. to, or what we call in the publishing world, idea. advanced reader copies. So you're going to pre-print advanced reader copies, and you're going to mail them out, uh, the physical book to these people ahead of the book launch, which means your book's got to be ready before the launch. So you can't be like working on final edits the last minute. Right. have everything in place ahead of time. And how many do y'all normally, like, when you're advising someone, do you tell them to have for advanced reader copies? I was actually just thinking about how many I needed to plan to order. Uh, So this is where we're going to look at that budget (laughs) because this is money that you're going to have to spend. Typically, it's between um, 15 and 100 advanced reader copies. Yeah. You don't want to – one thing we haven't talked about is creating a launch team of Mm -hmm. your most passionate fans. So you want to have 20 or 30 of your most passionate fans. I have 22 already. Okay, yes, keep talking. But but the key is they need to know that they're not getting a free book as a reward for being in the launch team. They're getting access to you and fun times in the Facebook group and they can pick your brain, but they're going to buy a book and they're going to leave a review. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. They have, they have, they have, one job, and that is to leave a verified review on Amazon. And if you're not going to leave a verified review on Amazon, you are not in the launch team. That's the deal. So all the fun, fun and games, and we talk a lot about this in the five-year plan, how to put together a launch team and how to craft it because it's a, a big piece of this. But the, the main goal is to get lots of verified reviews on day one because people are nervous uh, buying a book that doesn't have any reviews. And so you want people who will buy the book and leave verified reviews. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thomas, this was so awesome. Like I'm I'm so appreciative of all your knowledge and just all the things that you shared. And I feel like we could talk for hours and hours about publishing and podcasting and everything. But I want everybody to go check you out and all the other nuggets of wisdom that you have with your courses and the podcast. So can you tell everybody where to find you, all the places and what kind of reader magnets you have for them? <laughs> 
So uh, if you go to novelmarketing.com, uh, right now our primary uh, reader magnet that you'll find all over the website, and that'll redirect you to authormedia.com, is a uh, design template or design brief to help you communicate with your cover designer. So a lot of authors have struggled getting a good cover because they don't know how to communicate with their cover designer. And so this is a brief that has all these different questions uh, that will ask you to help you give good information to your designer so that for the same money that you're spending, you're getting a much better design. And I will say book cover designers love it when authors have this brief uh, because it, it it makes them happier too. It makes the process uh, happier and less stressful. And then every week we have a new episode about something related to publishing or book marketing. So some episodes are really focused on writing. Some episodes are uh, focused on the publishing process, but mostly they're focused on building that platform like we talked about, developing those assets, and then various promotion tactics. And we talk with all of the top experts in the field. So we're the longest running book marketing podcast, and I've had uh, a lot of really great experts on the show. So it's not just my brain you get to pick. It's also the brains of other very smart people. Uh, and then I have courses that go into various aspects, like like the book launch blueprint course that we're going to be doing in May. And then, of course, the mastermind groups, which is private coaching. So if you want me to do with you uh, what I've been doing with Crystal, we do that in a uh, collective setting in the mastermind groups. And you don't just get my advice, but also the advice from the other masterminds. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. And it's funny because I was just thinking, I have a trip coming up and I'm going to binge listen to the Novel Marketing <laughs> Podcast and learn all the little nuggets of wisdom because you, I just so appreciate um, your friendship and your wisdom and all the things that you've taught me in just a short amount of time. Like uh, Thomas is probably going to be like, I wish Crystal did not have my email address because I'm <laughs> going to be blowing him up with all the podcasts and novel questions and everything. So thank you so much for being on the show today. And I so appreciate everything that you shared with us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Okay. What did y'all think? right? That was so good. I felt like like I had to go back and write down all the notes, all the little nuggets of wisdom that Thomas shared because, y'all, he's been doing podcasting forever. And I love that he had so much information to share. I feel like I could continue to learn from him. I'm grateful that I get to chat with these people who are experts in what they do and they really do have a heart just to serve and to help people. So I am so grateful that Thomas came onto the show today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can find all the links that we mentioned at crystalprofit.com slash episode 139. And I hope you're all doing okay. Like I just wanted to check in with everyone for a second and say, I am grateful that you are showing up here and you are continuing to listen to this podcast. It means the world to me. And I have an ask of you. Would you please subscribe to the show if you haven't already? And would you consider leaving us a rating and a review? Because that really helps us continue to get this podcast out in front of more people. And I got to tell you, at these crazy times that we're living in right now, I feel like listening to podcasts and having a creative escape that people can listen to if they're walking their dog or they're, you know, hanging out in their house and they don't really have a lot of other things going on that are super exciting that they have to look forward to. I'm excited that you're here listening to this podcast, and I would love to be able to share that with more people. So that's all I have for you today, guys. So remember, keep it up. We all have to start somewhere. 